Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's Word together. You guys picked a good week to be here. I'm glad to be here this week because we're launching a brand new series. Um, It's a a series called I'm Not Okay. And as um, we were preparing for this series, I've just realized, like, wow, this is a very much-needed series in our church in this time. Um, If you just... Like we, we prayed about um, b- before um, we closed out worship, there's so much going on in our church right now. So many things that we don't even realize that the people sitting right next to us are going through and struggling with. Whether it be exciting things that are, that are challenging, like the birth of a new baby, or whether that be extremely tragic, painful things, like the death of a very young um, individual in our family. Or it could be health issues or financial issues. There's so many things that make us come into this building and say that phrase, I'm not okay. I'm not feeling well. And we want you guys to know that when you come to the church on a Sunday, when you're here surrounded by your brothers and sisters in Christ, it's okay to be here and not be okay. You don't need to put a face on. You don't need to pretend like everything's all right and mask it and hide it. And the whole heart behind this series is that we want to really look into these issues and these things that we're facing as a church. There's a whole bunch of them. There's so many different things that we may face, but we want to shine a light on those things from God's Word. We're not just going to shine a light on it from our opinions or our thoughts. We're going to shine God's Word on these things that we're going through and see what He has to say about these various things. So we're going to be in this series for the next several weeks. And um, on your seats, uh, hopefully you saw, there's a little black card. Actually, could you hand me one just... Y'all see it? Thank you. It says, I'm not okay on the front. On the back, it says, I'm, and then has some blanks. Um, What we're asking for you guys to do with these cards is either today or maybe next week, write down on the back of these um, what it is you're going through, what it is you're struggling with, the things that you are facing that make you say, I'm not okay. And what we want you guys to do is write those down. You don't need to write your name on them, that you can keep them anonymous unless you want to write your name. You can do that. Um, but we're going to have you guys take these cards and drop them in the, um, those little black metal boxes. There's one over here in the back of the venue. There's one out in the lobby as well. They're kind of scattered around. But we want you guys to drop these cards in there because the prayer team wants to be praying over these things over the next several weeks. Um, and we want to make this more engaging. We want to meet you guys right where you are at in the midst of what you're going through. Um, so that's these cards. Please take advantage of that. Please get in, engaged with that. Um, um, either today or coming back next week and going forward in these next several weeks. Um, but today we're going to jump right into things, and we're going to be talking about the subject of overwhelm. For a lot of us, we're, we're coming to this building today, and we're saying, I'm not okay, I'm feeling very overwhelmed. Um, that's, a, that's a very common thing in life. And it's very interesting because this, this problem of overwhelm is something that is a big issue for so many of us for so many varying different reasons. Many of us experiencing, the, experiencing this constantly. Um, and just if you are, are not clear on what overwhelm is, I want to give you guys a, a definition of it. The definition of overwhelm is to bury or drown beneath a huge mass. To bury or drown beneath a huge mass. That's the feeling that a lot of us have, that we are buried or drowning beneath these huge masses of all kinds of different things. Um, And a lot of times, maybe you came in here today and I I said, we're talking about overwhelm, and you said, "Uh, it's not really the thing I'm feeling. You might be using a different word for it. 
Some of us will not use the word overwhelm, but we'll use the word burnout. This is the same ultimate thing. We're burnt out. We can't move forward. We're just so, so sick and tired of the things we're dealing with, with work or with the troubles that we're going through with our family, and we're just burnt out. We can't take it any longer. Some of us will come in here, and the word that we would choose to describe our feeling is exhaustion. Because I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I don't have the energy to take another step. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Some of us might use the word numb to describe what we're feeling. Whether it's really good things going on in life or really hard, challenging things in life, we are numb and we just don't even have the capacity to feel any emotion appropriately, either positive or negative. All of these things are tied back to that feeling of being overwhelmed. Overwhelm is a serious issue. And this feeling of overwhelm, like I said, it's so broad, it's so vast, it comes from so many different places. It can come from our circumstances that we're going through that we didn't even see coming. Um, it can come from our quality of life, whether positive or negative. And it can also come from sin in our life or sin in the lives of the people we're close to that begins to create overwhelm. And this is something for me, when I'm talking about overwhelm, I want you guys to know this is not just a message I decided to whip together. This is something that as I have prayed over, Lord, what would you have me share? He led me to this because this is something that I deal with almost every single day. Overwhelm is, is the primary thing that makes me say, I'm not okay. And I just recently talked to our entire leadership team and, and all the pastors and was like, hey guys, I'm struggling right now. I'm having a hard time. I am overwhelmed by so many things. And that, that is somebody who is constantly saturated in God's word constantly around other believers, and I feel this way. And what I've learned in this is that these feelings can become crippling. They can cripple you. They can make you feel like you can't move forward. They can freeze you in place. And if you're not careful, if you allow it to fester and, and stick around long enough without addressing it, it can actually derail your faith entirely. And that's not something that we want. Many of us try to solve this feeling of overwhelm in our life, this, this sense of overwhelm through self-help or read books about how to solve our problems. Some of us will try to solve it through vacation. Say, oh man, if I can just go on this trip, go on this vacation, it'll make all my problems better. Some of us will try to solve it through money. If we get the right job, the right savings account amount, then we're going to feel good again. But the truth is that overwhelm is not that simple. It doesn't work like that. Overwhelm's a lot deeper. And the truth is that there's only one way to really avoid overwhelm or to escape it if you're in the midst of it. And that one single way is through the power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Holy Spirit. That is the only way. And unfortunately, for many of us, we, we haven't realized this, even though maybe we've been going to church for a long, long time, even serving in church. Um, and for some of us, maybe we do understand the role of the Holy Spirit, but for one reason or another, we've chosen not to engage with him. So we get trapped in this overwhelm, and it just compounds and builds and gets worse and worse and worse to the point of where it cripples us and derails us entirely. Now, when we talk about a subject like overwhelm, and it's, it's super important, it's very real. We, we feel it. We face it. Many of us in this room right now are currently in the midst of feeling overwhelmed for one reason or another, but it's hard to open up the Bible 
and find answers for something like this. And the reason why is because there's not really one scripture that you can open to and that's going to directly deal with this subject. There's not really one place that you can open up to and say, oh, well, that's the answer right there. Oh, this is going to talk about this situation of overwhelm very clearly and directly. It doesn't really work like that. Um, In a subject like this, it's a lot bigger than we might think. And the way to address it from a biblical perspective is you kind of got to take this patchwork of scripture and biblical understanding and knowledge from all different areas and you bring it into one place, you put it, collect it all, put it in front of you and you examine it as a whole. And when you're able to do that, then you're able to say, oh, it's pretty clear actually how God would have us deal with these things. So that's what we're going to be doing today. We're going to be looking at a collection of scriptures. We're going to be learning and and pulling from, from many of them to give us insight. And our whole goal is to see in this subject of overwhelm, the subject of feeling burnt out and feeling exhausted and numb, on this subject, our goal is to see how the Holy Spirit very specifically is supposed to be the one who is working in these problems, who is solving these things and in our source of strength through these things. So the first scripture we're going to start looking at on this is going to be 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. Give you guys a second to turn there. Um, if you don't have a Bible, you can also go in the Version Bible app. Um, on that app, actually, we have all the notes uploaded. If you click on events and it'll pull right up, you'll click on Awaken Church and it'll have all the scriptures, the points, as well as a bunch of scriptures I'm going to be referencing later, but we're not actually going to look up. So that's a really helpful resource and tool. Um, but we'll jump right into it. Second Corinthians 4, verses 7 through 11. Let's read, read that together. It says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Okay. Now, what we just read right here, Paul, the thing that probably stuck out to most of us on this subject of overwhelm when we're thinking about it, is this list of of overwhelming struggles that Paul gives. Paul states, being afflicted, that we are afflicted in every way. This is something a lot of us feel. Affliction, whether that be um, health issues that come into our life or, or, or other things that are put upon us that, that we're not expecting and not prepared for, that we are afflicted by it and we're dealing with that we, we weren't ready for. He says that we're perplexed. And I want to tell you guys that this is the one that gets me the most. This feeling of being perplexed or despairing, feeling hopeless. And I feel this feeling personally because there is so much um, on my heart for the church and for the people in my life. And, and I feel like I want to lead the church well and come alongside the other pastors and leaders. And, and I want to honor what God is doing in the city. And I do not feel qualified or equipped to do that. 
I don't feel like I have the knowledge and, and the understanding clear enough to actually do these things. And I feel perplexed about the issues that we face. I don't have the answers to give people when they come to me with their problems. I don't have it. And it leads me to this place of feeling perplexed and despairing and hopeless because I feel like, what am I supposed to do? I have nothing for you. That's how I feel. And this feeling of being perplexed is common to a lot of us. That's the one that gets me the most. It talks about being persecuted. It talks about being struck down. These are things that overwhelm us. But all of these things that Paul talks about here are unavoidable hardships that are actually natural to life. What I mean by that is they're, they're unavoidable in that they're going to happen to you. You don't really have a choice on whether or not they're going to happen. They will happen. It's just a matter of when. And these things are natural in our world. They're natural in the life of a follower of Jesus. They're going to take place. So the answer, when we see all of these things, these overwhelming things that Paul listed off there, the answer to how we're supposed to deal with that is found in what's written in verse 7, the very first thing that we read, where he talks about that we have treasures in jars, or a treasure in jars of clay. That's super important for us. What's the treasure? We're going to be zooming through since we're talking about so many scriptures today. Um, I'm not going to go super in-depth with all of them. There's just not time, but we're just going to pick apart very specific things. So what's the treasure? What is the treasure being talked about right here? Well, that treasure is the knowledge of God, understanding God, knowing the gospel, knowing his plans for our life, knowing how his love operates in our life. That knowledge, that's the treasure, as well as the blessing of the Holy Spirit's presence. That's the treasure. The power and, and the, the influence of the Holy Spirit, when we become followers of Jesus, that he infuses us with through his spirit, that's the treasure. That's the treasure being written about right here. So we have to understand that, but now we have to talk about, well, what are the jars of clay? The jars of clay are us. We are the jars of clay. Something you need to know for, for context is back at this time, um, jars of clay, they're, they're literally clay pots. That's what he's talking about. And these clay pots were very brittle. These clay pots were very common. And honestly, they were pretty unimpressive. There, there wasn't anything super special or extraordinary about them. But Paul's point is to give this very stark contrast between who we are as humans and who God is that we are these clay, brittle, um, unimpressive, common pots, but we hold this incredible treasure of the knowledge of God in the Holy Spirit, this immense, beautiful thing. And he says, he gives us a very specific understanding of this, the reason why. He says, this treasure is in us to show that the surpassing power belongs to God. The point of this treasure, the Holy Spirit being in us, is to show to the world that the surpassing power or this beyond measure strength that, that is at work in our life doesn't belong to us at all. It's not us pushing through circumstances and situations in our life. It's not us surviving affliction on our own strength. It's not us working through these feelings of being perplexed on our own. It's not us feeling um, persecuted and surviving through this persecution and standing up to it or being struck down. It's not our power that does that. It's the Spirit who does that. That's what he's trying to get at. He says that we are always being given over to death. 
We're always facing these things constantly so that the life of Christ will be manifested in our flesh. And that word manifested means to be made visible and tangible. So the whole point of why, why we're talking about this is because there's these very clear examples of hardship that are very overwhelming to us. But it's the power of the Spirit in us that allows us to face these things as we're given over to these overwhelming situations as we follow Christ, the Holy Spirit sustains us through these hardships. So if you're facing hardship and you're in this building today, that's not necessarily a sign that everything's out of whack in your life. This is things that are normal to life. However, there's a way to address it and a way to survive through it, and it's not on your own power. It's on the Holy Spirit's power that does it, that, that allows you to be sustained in the midst of all of it. Second scripture we're going to look at to help us understand this is going to be Philippians 4, verses 11 through 13. Give you guys a second to turn over there. Philippians 4, verses 11 through 13. Read it together. It says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So this one, again, Paul lists off a set of conditions, but these conditions are a little different than the last ones, where the last set of conditions were things that are going to happen to us, hardships that are unforeseen, but they're natural to life. These situations are a little different in that they deal with the quality of life. And this is something that we have some control over. Um, but Paul, what he says is that he has learned how to deal with these situations, whether we're well off and well fed, which for a lot of us, um, this is a, a thing that we would love to be overwhelmed by. Yeah, more money in my bank account. I would love that to be my major problem. But the truth is, when it comes to being well off, there is a lot of stress and weight in that, in maintaining success. When you are, are doing well and you, you have a lot of things to be taken care of and, and looking over, there's a lot of burden that comes from that. It doesn't come scot-free of challenge. It's hard. And a lot of us don't think of it as hard, but it is. And it can be very overwhelming as we're faced with, am I going to lose all of this tomorrow if I make the wrong decision or the wrong choice? Or with what happens in our world? What's going to happen to the things that I'm dealing with? Then there's the other side of this, the quality of life that is feeling poor and not well-fed, hungry, struggling in life, not having the means, struggling with our finances, not having the ends to pay our bills all the time, and, and working extremely hard and barely surviving. This is a whole other area where overwhelm comes from, as we worry about, man, am I going to have what it takes to handle the needs of my family this, this month or this week? There's overwhelm that comes from this too. These had to do with quality of life, but Paul says some interesting stuff. He's explaining how he has come to be content in all conditions, whether he's super wealthy and rich and doing awesome or doing really, really poorly and he's starving and hungry. He's learned the secret, and he says... And he states that the way that he deals with it, his contentment is found because he can do all things through Christ, through him who strengthens him. 
I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's the, the verse. The him that's being spoken of there, that's the Holy Spirit. That's what it is, actually. And oftentimes, even when I just quoted it, the common thing is all things through Christ who strengthens me. It, that's, there is true, that is true, but really the heart of what's getting behind this is that it's through the power of the Holy Spirit because of Christ and what he's done that we're able to be strengthened. That's what's being, get, being got at right there. So it's through the power of the Holy Spirit and the strength that's being talked about here is literal strength that's given to us from outside of ourselves. And this is so important for us to notice because honestly, this verse, probably all of us have heard this. Very common verse. It's basically a bumper sticker verse. But most of the time, it's used completely out of context. And also most of the time, it's um, used in a way where it has more to do with just being motivating. Just be motivated. Just think about Christ's work in your life and you're going to be good. Just power through it. That's not what this is saying at all, actually. This is saying that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are literally infused by a strength that comes outside of ourselves. That's what Paul is talking about. That the contentment that we have, whether we are doing great or whether we're not doing so great, all comes from this power of the Holy Spirit at work in our life. And that we can be content, that we don't have to be concerned, that we don't have to become overwhelmed and weighted down by these things because of that power. It's only in him that we are able to have this stability and contentment. The next area of scripture we need to take a look at is going to be uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. This one says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. This is another scripture as we're pulling this collection of them and pulling this patchwork together and gathering understanding. It's important for us to to know. This scripture is important because it's talking about sin and the influence of sin. And this is not one that we think about very often when it comes to overwhelm, but it has a huge bearing on overwhelm in our life in burnout and in exhaustion and numbness in life. And that's because sin itself creates overwhelm because it's outside the plans of God. So this is an important one for, for us to know. When Paul is talking about the flesh, setting the mind on the things of the flesh, the flesh is a reference to sinful nature, to sin itself. So what he's trying to say there is those who set their minds on sin and sinful things, that's going to bring death. Um, he's talking about the repercussions of death. And death um, does mean physical death, um, but it also comes with more things. It's, it's tied to the repercussions of sin, which are ultimately hell after death. But then even more than that, the consequences of sin that happen in our lives right now, the destructive tendencies that sin has as it wreaks havoc in your life. That's death. That's what he's getting at. So he's saying those who set their minds on, on the things of the flesh can expect to receive death, overwhelm, struggle. But he, he gives us a command. He says, what we should do is to set our minds on the spirit because in that there is life and peace. While the repercussions of sin 
tend to compound, and this is big or small. You can look all throughout your life. Typically, when we think of repercussions of sin, we think of the big, significant things. Um, but, but the reality is we can look all throughout our culture, and we can see the havoc and the, um, the hatred and the animosity and the struggles and the constant um, decay of people's lives around us. As we look at that, um, there's a bunch of small decisions. Maybe we're not seeing huge, massive, sinful choices being made, but there is a significant quantity of small, sinful, selfish decisions that are being made. And those small decisions compound and snowball to the point where it creates significant amount of overwhelm in people's lives. So when we set our minds on the Spirit, like what Paul is saying that we should do, he's saying something different happens. The Spirit is talking about the Holy Spirit, the things that the Holy Spirit has for us and would desire for us to walk in. But he says that it brings life. And that word life is super interesting because it doesn't just mean like goodness and joy. It's not, it's not as simple as that. This word life in Greek is zoe. And this word actually um, is supposed to be referencing the same life that is found between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit themselves. And this life that's found between the Father, the Spirit, and the Son, you have been invited into to partake in. And this life is something that is honestly unimaginable. It's something beyond our understanding. It is something, a level of genuineness and authenticity of life and fullness of life that cannot be found anywhere else. It does not exist anywhere else except for in that relationship with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. So what Paul is trying to get at there is that it's very important to set the mind on the Spirit because that's where life and peace are found. Setting our mind on those things is going to set us up to not become overwhelmed by all of the sin and the decisions that are going on in our life. If we set our minds on the flesh, we can expect to become overwhelmed very quickly. Now, this fourth and final scripture is, is one that kind of culminates all of these things that we've read. It's going to be Galatians chapter 5, verse 25. It's a short one. Galatians 5, verse 25. It says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. We just talked about the life that the Spirit brings. If we live by the Spirit, then let us keep in step with the Spirit. What we need to understand is that it's not enough to just talk about the Spirit and to sing songs about the Spirit and ask the Spirit to fall. It's not enough just to ask for that. We actually have to walk with Him. It's not just to, enough to just talk about it. The Spirit's work is something that we have to actively engage with. If you want to experience any of that life, any of the things that the Spirit has for you, you have to engage. You have to actually participate with Him in things. So what I'm getting at, and kind of in a little bit of a harsh way, stop inviting the Spirit into your life if you're not going to do anything with Him. Stop inviting Him in if you don't plan to actually walk alongside Him. That, that phrase, when it talks about keep in step, it's actually a military term. The original language denotes military. It's talking about walking um, in a row next to soldiers together. It's very intentional. Um, it's very meaningful. It has purpose. It takes thought. And it takes, uh, not submission, but, but a, a level of unity. That's what the Spirit and us are supposed to be doing, walking like soldiers next, next to one another. That's what it means to keep in step. 
The Holy Spirit wants to be in fellowship with us, but do we want to be in fellowship with Him? We need to be. And again, I, like I was saying in the beginning, I have struggled with overwhelm so much in my life. And so often, it's because I'm trying to put the burden of, of solving these things completely on myself. Just a few weeks ago, like I was telling you guys in the beginning, I, I was talking to the leadership team because I was struggling. I was having a hard time. Um, I found myself having to kind of just break away at one point because I was frustrated and upset and walk around um, uh, a, a park real close to us here in the woods like a psychopath because I just needed to break away. I was like, I can't be around things. I just need to run. That's what I did because I did not know what to do. But as these, the weeks that have gone by since then, I have made it an intention of my life to get in connection and to walk with the Holy Spirit. And what I've found is life and peace. To be honest, a lot of the situations haven't really changed that much, but my heart has changed significantly. And the overwhelm that I feel, while the, the circumstances and situations are still there, the feelings are no longer there. And that's because solely of the work of the Spirit in my life. The only point that I have for us today is going to be this. Without the Spirit, overwhelm is inevitable. Without the Spirit, overwhelm is inevitable. Many of us are overwhelmed because there's a lack of the Spirit's work in our life. And we've allowed this overwhelmed feeling to fester for a really long time. But the scripture is clear. We, we just read them. And whether it be circumstances that we cannot foresee that are just natural to life, or whether it be to our quality of life, both positive or neg- negative, whether it be sin, the answer always comes back to the Holy Spirit. It's very, very obvious. So what I want to do before we close out this message is I don't want to just share these things with you and, and end it there. I want to give you guys um, three keys to walking in the Spirit. These will be quick. They're not going to take too long at all. But there's going to be three keys, and I'll I'll tell you guys all of them up front, um, and then we'll go through them individually. The keys are abstain from sin. The second one is seek the Spirit's presence. And the third one is limit distractions and hindrances. These are three very scriptural keys that we should follow. So we'll start off with the first one, give you the biblical backing. We're going to go through these real quick together. Um, Galatians 5 and Romans 8 are super clear that sin is basically like throwing ice-cold bucket of water on the work of the Spirit. And, And in these scriptures, it shows us that sin and the work of the Spirit are directly opposed to each other. They do not coexist in the same space. So if you want the Spirit's work in your life, you have to actively be looking to abstain from sin. That's just part of the, part of the situation, okay? So if you want the Spirit, that means you're seeking to live a life that is righteous and holy, and you're trying to be obedient to the things that God has for you. And all of us individually are going to be dealing with different things. So only you know really the issues of sin that you are struggling with personally, but those are in fact issues that have to be dealt with. And this doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect, talking about abstaining from sin. I'm not saying that you're suddenly perfect and the Spirit's work is never there if you're not perfect. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that abstaining from sin just means that you are actively pursuing the things that honor God daily in your life. That's how you are abstaining from sin. Second thing, seeking the the Spirit's presence, the ways that we do that. Um, 
We read Galatians 5.25 where it said that we're supposed to keep in step with the Spirit and it requires activity. So um, seeking the Spirit's presence does in fact require us to do some stuff. James 1 tells us that we are to ask God for wisdom. When we are struggling, when, you, when you're feeling like me, perplexed, and you're, you don't have answers, James 1 tells us that we can go to God, ask Him for wisdom, and if we're asking in faith, He will provide it. He'll show us things that we don't understand and help us understand what it is that we need to move forward. So that's one thing, ask God for wisdom. Another area, Hebrews 4 and 2 Timothy 3 tell us that the Word of God is active and alive and that the Word of God has purpose. So the reason this is important is because seeking the Spirit's presence in your life requires you to get into God's Word. For a lot of us, we don't spend time in Scripture. We don't spend time reading God's Word. And for a lot of us, that, that becomes a significant problem because we, other than Sundays, we're not hearing God's Word at all. But the Spirit's work goes alongside of what is alive and active in His Word. And the purpose is to convict and encourage and, and guide come from understanding His Word. If you want to seek the Spirit's presence, you need to make reading His Word a priority in your life. Then thirdly, 1 Thessalonians 5 tells us that we are to pray without ceasing. That we are to pray without ceasing. This is us living a life that is literally, the, the idea is that we are constantly doing this, but it's, it's this constant understanding of being conscious of the Spirit's presence. That every moment of life, we are conscious that the Spirit is there and that He has things going on. So there's two sides of, of this, of praying without ceasing. And a lot of us, unfortunately, only do one half of it. Two sides are talking to God about our life, about what's going on in life. That's the side most of us do. A lot of us only do that at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We should be doing it a lot more. But there's, there's, it goes beyond just talking. It also is listening. There's such thing as listening prayer. And this is how you are living in a state of constantly being conscious of the Spirit is that you're in this state of every moment, Lord, are you trying to speak to me? Lord, I know you're there. Lord, this is a thing I'm going on. That's what it means to pray without ceasing. This is what it takes to be seeking the Spirit's presence. And the last one I have for you, the last uh, key, is limit distractions and hindrances. Um, Luke 5 tells us something really interesting about Jesus. It says that he would withdraw to desolate places to pray. Jesus would withdraw to desolate places to, to pray. That word desolate is what I want to focus in on. He was separating himself off from all of the craziness and the chaos of the crowds and all of the things going on, the questions and all of the stuff that could be um, influencing him. He would break away regularly to do this. All throughout the Gospels, you see Jesus doing that constantly, going off to pray, going off by himself. Colossians 3 tells us also that we are to set our minds on the things above and not on earthly things. That's what Jesus was doing by going to these desolate places. He's trying to meet with the Father and to break away from all of the earthly distractions. So for us, what that means is we have to try to actively limit all of these distractions and hindrances that get in the way of us hearing the voice of God and seeking His presence. 
I know for me, I've had to take my watch off because I cannot continue to be inundated by constant notifications about my fantasy football team and all the texts that are going on in my life and all different news articles that I'm reading. As soon as I wake up, I grab my phone and I start, start reading these things and scrolling through Instagram. And what that is doing is clouding my capacity to hear God because I'm just completely inundated with things. So what we have to do and understand is that to seek the Spirit's presence, we have to actively try to limit these distractions and hindrances, to take the watch off, to set the phone aside, to not watch TV all the time, to wake up early in the morning and not pick up our phone, but go somewhere and sit in silence in solitude and talk to God for a while and get ourselves um, in the right place. These are qualities that it takes and keys that it takes to walk in the Spirit. So with those things, with those scriptures, I, I hope that you guys are able to move forward and address these, these struggles of overwhelm that you have in your life. I know for me, this has been huge and incredibly impactful. And, and I really hope that as you guys seek the Spirit's presence in your life, and as you guys talk about this in your groups this week and talk to your families about these things, that you guys come to the same um, um, area that I have of peace and life in the Spirit, whether the situations change or whether they don't. And right before we close, I just want to let you guys know one last thing, and this is really important to know, is that everything that we just talked about and that I just shared with you, there's kind of a precondition to it. And the, pre- the precondition to all of this is that you have to be a follower of Jesus. If you are not a follower of Jesus, then all of this is honestly irrelevant to you because the Holy Spirit does not work in that way in the life of unbelievers. This is something that's given to those who have been adopted into the kingdom of God. But the good news is you can choose today to be adopted into that kingdom, to have that Holy Spirit. All you have to do is is ask the Lord to forgive you as you recognize that you are a sinner, that you've chosen to do what's wrong and not honoring God. You've willingly walked in that, that you're deserving of the consequences of, of death. And you say, Lord, I recognize that. And I want to ask you that you'd forgive me and that you would restore me to a relationship with you, and that you'd make me alive. And what he will do if you do that, and if you genuinely repent and ask him that, he will send his Holy Holy Spirit to restore you and regenerate you to life. And then from that point forward, you will have everything that we just talked about. Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.